0: Third down, two. It's Jackson. Oh my gosh, here he goes. He'll sprint. He's being chased by Howard. Looking behind. You can kiss him goodbye. Touchdown. Turned by Lowa. Blocked by Armstead. Going. He's got him. He's got him. Tyreek Hill. And the Dolphins have come back. 60 yards. How we
1: respond to this will be that'll be the story, you know. We've got a 17-game season. This is the second week of the season. So what we do from here on out, everybody taking a look, taking a hard look at what we did, coaches, players, everybody, calls that we made, plays that we made, plays that we didn't make, and let's come out of here, a better football team for it, and get to work and get ready for the next game against New England in New England.
2: Let's keep our head up. Like I said, we've got 15 more games regular season, and
1: we're not going to let this define us. We're going to move on. We're going to watch the film from this game, see what mistakes we made, we got to get ready for the Patriots. It's a long season. You know, what if we told you that the Ravens put a 38 spot up on the Miami Dolphins in week two with over 470 yards of total offense and lost? That's exactly what happened inside m Bank Stadium on a Sunday that we will not soon forget. Welcome into the Raven's Vault podcast. I'm Bobby Trossett, alongside Sarah Ellison and partner. This one was, there's epic collapses, and then there's this. I don't really know what to specifically say about it, description-wise, but all I know is that it's not going to be a fun week in the film room for the Ravens.
2: Well, I know that some people are using the adjective embarrassing. My adjective is just unreal because... You know, I was thinking to myself, I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen the Ravens do this. And then here comes the stats. And I haven't seen the Ravens do it before because it was the biggest, it was the largest blown lead by the Ravens in franchise history. They were up 35 to 14 in the fourth quarter, Bobby. They are up by 21%. So, you know, there's a bunch of different statistical analysis you know websites going on in that fourth quarter the ravens had a 98.7% win probability i i, I think the stat is something like 117 teams in that scenario have are like have won <laughs> like it's just over over a very large amount of time i mean it's just absolutely unreal what we just witnessed and it's so incredibly frustrating because you see how well Lamar Jackson was playing, putting up an MVP type performance. You know, I'm ready to, I was ready to like tip my hat to him, tip my hat to Greg Roman and John Harbaugh for having the worst offensive output under in the Lamar Jackson era against the Miami Dolphins in Miami, they did come out with the same plan of attack. They were blitzing and blitzing heavy and Lamar, Greg Roman, the Ravens offense, they had an answer. And then all of a sudden in that fourth quarter, the wheels came off mostly on the defense. And we'll definitely get into there, but also even, even, um, the punting and kicking wasn't great on special teams the offense couldn't convert on anything. It couldn't drain the clock. I mean, it is a team effort to give up 21 points in a single quarter. If you want to use unreal, if you want to use embarrassing, I mean, almost any adjective works. It's I just can't believe what we just saw.
1: It was. I think you bring up a good point. It wasn't just the collapse from one phase. It was all three phases, if, if you could, you know, if that makes sense. And, and you need all three phases to win a football game. And just to be clear, too, the, the, this matches – the Ravens' largest blown lead in franchise history. This has oh, happened my once before. No, it's all good. According to yeah. ESPN's Jamison Hensley, as he tweeted, this has happened once before. You got to go back to October of 1997, the second season this franchise was in existence. They lost to the Steelers 42 to 34 after leading by 21 points. Well, as we both know, they were up by three touchdowns, 21 points in the fourth quarter, and it was a fourth quarter led by Tua and the Dolphins, Sarah. 28 total points, and they just had zero answer. Let's begin with the defense, though, because, you know, before we even dive into this conversation, we do have to acknowledge that both Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters were on pitch count, respective pitch counts today.
2: Yeah, I hear just one quick question. That that one from October 1997, they were leading by 21 points. Do you know if that was in the fourth quarter? Did it say?
1: I don't think so.
2: (laughs) Okay. So I still stand by the fact that I don't, I didn't think I'd ever seen this before, but we'll have to go back and look to see it. But they gave up 21 in the fourth quarter. But um, yeah, I agree. I agree. And to be honest with you, that's where if you're looking for hope, you know, that's where it comes in. It's just, it's unreal to me that season after season, the Ravens, cornerback group just go down like flies and uh, like I just don't even know if it's been this bad before and that's saying something I mean we're in week two and the Ravens were already down three of their four top corners so they're Marlin he was on a pitch count but then he just wasn't even going in which sounds like, you know, perhaps his his growing injury got the better of him by the end of it. Fuller's already out for the year. Brennan Stevens, you know, not in there. And so, and then you get Peters back, but it's his first game since, geez, 2021, maybe January 2022, December 2021. I'm trying to remember when the last game of that season was. Yeah, it might have been that... Yeah, it might have been that that Buffalo game. So it's been a while, and so you don't expect him to be top speed. So you've got Peters, who's obviously rusty, and then a ton of rookies. And, you know, Pepe Williams, I thought he was playing well in the beginning. He was, you know, had some hard hits. Remember, he hit Tyreek Hill to make sure he didn't, you know, get a first down. Um, but then it just all fell apart. I think the worst moment, Bobby was when Tyreek Hill was left wide open on his final touchdown, and you watch the replay, and Jalen Armour Davis was defending it like it wasn't his man, like he was expecting to release Tyreek Hill to the safety, but there was no safety there. And then afterwards, Marcus Peters was having some words with the rookie Kyle Hamilton and Kyle Hamilton's in the classic. We've all done it. Like putting your hands up and shrugging your shoulders. Like, wait, was that, wasn't me. That wasn't me. And he's like trying to defend himself or whatever. But listen, it's a massive miscommunication, whoever it was between Kyle Hamilton and, and Jalen Armand Armour Davis. And then even when it wasn't miscommunications, I mean, I mean, look, this is, this is week two, Armour Davis, a fourth-round pick, has to go up against the highest-paid wide receiver in the league in Tyreek Hill. He gave up another touchdown to him. I mean, it's just – it's unreal. So the point that you, I think you were trying to make, Bobby, is that we do need to point that out because you'd like to think Peters is going to be ascending if Marlin can get healthy, if you can get these rookies, you know – you just got they just got to keep learning. They just got to keep learning and Brennan Stevens has got to get back. So, I mean, that's really in the secondary. Your hope is that the rookies can learn and the other guys can get healthy, but the way these guys are getting injured, it doesn't leave a lot of hope that suddenly they're going to start getting going to get they're going to start getting healthy and then stay healthy.
1: We're also assuming that a guy like Marcus Peters is going to come back. Well, I know we're not assuming this, but it sounds like we are until we address it right now that he's going to come back 100%, which certainly isn't the case. He got burned today pretty badly by Tyreek Hill as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a reason why both he and Marlon are on pitch counts. And I think we have to keep that in mind as these guys get back on the field and are asked to be every weekend, you know, starting caliber cornerbacks. So uh, to me, the, the biggest concern from today, defensively wise, Sarah, is the lack of communication and miscues because we saw that play out week in and week out for six straight weeks, probably more, honestly, six plus weeks at the end of the 2021 season. Yeah. And while Miami has some perennial playmakers, some explosiveness for the ages in Tyree Kill and, and Jalen Waddell, of course, guess what? Every single team, all 32 teams have playmakers. And so if the Ravens can't figure this out communication-wise on the back end, that's going to be a problem. And you're right. Jalen Armour Davis, he thought that, that this this was going to be a, um, a, a dump off opportunity from, from him to a safety in, in Tyreek Hill. And there was just no one there. Tyreek exposed this defense today. And, and it was just it was flat out ugly to the point where you're asking yourself, you know what? While we can certainly identify that fourth quarter, fourth and short decision that John Harbaugh, and I'm sure his analytics team up in the booth, made to go for it, and then obviously it was a turnover on downs, and that was a huge swing, huge momentum swing towards Miami in this game, I can also see why, and he often talked about this last year when they were so uh, bare bones defensively, but Sarah, I can see why maybe he was avoiding bringing the defense back out there because he knew they were sucking wind and they had absolutely no answer for what Tua and the Dolphins were throwing at him.
2: None. And, Bobby, uh, after the game, John Harbaugh was asked by the media, you know, is the miscommunication due to the rookies here and there? Let's listen to, to his answer. It didn't look like he was wanting to give any excuses.
1: That's the issue. I mean, you know, never, never did you think we're going to have that many balls thrown over our head. I mean, that just can't happen. That's not okay. I don't care who's back there, what they're doing. Uh, those are the plays that cost us, you know, those plays will cost you a game when you've got a lead like that. So, you know, you can't have miscommunication. You can't have a guy running the post behind cover three. Those kind of things can't happen.
2: All right. So Harbaugh clearly not happy. there. not giving excuses to the rookies. I mean, it's tough matchups, but as he said to like, let it just get over your head, you know, you just can't let that happen. So he's got to go to work. Mike McDonald's got to go to work. Um, secondary coach has got to go to work. I mean, they, they have some teaching to do. They have some teaching to do, and hopefully they can get healthy. And, and, and also, Bobby, though, this is probably more surprising to me. Listen, like you said at the top, if you had told me that the Ravens put up 38 points, okay, I'm like, okay, that's a win. That's a win. Even though I knew that there was some injuries going on in the secondary. What I thought could compensate for that, Bobby, was this defensive line. This defensive line, who has been what everybody's been talking about since this summer. The defensive line that, like, I mean, just drilled Joe Flacco time and time again last week against the Jets. And then it's just like, where did they go? Where did they go? Where, are, where is this veteran defensive line? I mean, obviously, the Jets' offensive line was beat up in a bad, bad sort of way. Uh, the offensive line for the Dolphins were a little bit beat up too, not as much. But it's like outside of that one sack from Justin Houston, there were no other sacks. I think there's a total of uh, what quarterback hits two, but one of them is the is the is the sack. The other one was from Justin Matabike. It's like this defensive line is supposed to help its, its, its secondary out a little bit by making Tua uncomfortable. And that just did not happen today. And I look forward to going back and watching the tape because that, that to me, okay, I get it. You're missing all these corners. You're going to, you know, uh, you get it to a certain extent. But, like, where is the pressure, Bobby?
1: All, all it did, their lack of presence, especially down the stretch in the second half, was further expose what we already knew was a problem in the secondary, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yep. yeah, you're right. We we, we were tweeted that uh, within the last couple minutes or so as we taped this, uh, that the folks wanted to address the lack of pass rush. And while the big headliner here is the secondary and the explosive plays that they let up, and having no answer for Tyree Kill and the miscommunication and all that, certainly, certainly in the same vein, in the same conversation, needs to be uh, the in, the inability to even remotely bring pressure on Tua down the stretch. The dude was was in there surveying the field, Sarah, and all he had to do was make pretty easy, not even quick decisions.
2: Yeah. And, Bobby, we said this in the preview, in our preview. We both said this. This is what we both keyed in on. We said, for the most part, Miami's game is to kind of dink and dunk and use the speed of their receivers, Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill, for yards after the catch. Now, at the end, once everything had already fallen apart, especially on the miscommunication between Armour Davis and and Kyle Hamilton, uh, that was just a, you know, probably it was – probably was one of two as longer passes in terms of air yards. But so many of the other ones were just, you know, yards after the catch. There was one even, you know, from Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen fell while defending against Waddle and he fell. He bit, he bit on a fake and fell. And then Waddle went off for, you know, I can't remember like 30, 40 yards. It's just like, if we knew that Bobby, I know the Ravens knew, knew that it's just, you know. Let, keep them in front of you. And I think that's what John Harbaugh was trying to say. Keep them in front of you because it's, they're going to dink and dunk. Let them have that, but do sound tackling and then don't let them get past you. But, but that's what happened. I don't know. I mean, 469 yards from Tua, Mm 416, almost 500. This is not like Tom Brady. Okay. (laughs) This is just like unreal. 319 of those were in the second half not surprisingly five, he had yeah. six touchdowns Well, Bobby. The the Ravens fans were understandably chanting MVP when Lamar Jackson had his a hunt, his hundred and or no 79 yard rushing touchdown. I'm getting ready, Bobby to tweet in the fourth quarter. Ah, it's, it's Tyler Huntley time. I mean, that's how, yeah. that's how it was going. I, I mean, Lamar Jackson was putting up an MVP performance and it's, all down the drain. And, of course, we do need to talk about the offense in the fourth quarter. But through three three quarters, Lamar Jackson, the offense, was electric with big plays everywhere. Um, yeah. but, but, but what yeah. happened to them in the fourth quarter? What happened to that side of the ball?
1: Yeah. Well, before we get there, I just wanted to address that specific play from Waddle where Patrick Queen fell down. It was 59 yards. 59 Ugh. yards. And it completely... Flip the field coming off that turnover on downs. I mean, that mm-hmm. was another play where we all know, Sarah, you can pick anywhere between, I don't know, on one hand, maybe, you know, two, three, four, five plays that decide a football game. And and that to me certainly was one of them. The turnover on downs in the fourth quarter where John Harbaugh elected to go for it was another. And and you can always count on 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 one hand typically. But yeah, to to shift gears now. Sarah, the problem that I'm seeing right now, and this goes back to the first half, too. As electric as the first half was, this was somewhat of a problem in the first half, too, and that is the inability to cash in on these short yardage situations. They are yeah. not getting enough push up front.
2: No, they are not. It's... This one, listen, you can, you can predictably... All right, let, let's break this down. The Ravens... Identity is supposed to be bully ball. Okay. So it was so clear from the beginning that there was no push, no push on the offensive line. I don't care if it was Justin, Justice Hill out there, Kenyon Drake out there, Lamar running. um, I mean, the Ravens had to rely on, you know, trickery on the fourth and one, a direct snap to to Mark Andrews to, to convert the only fourth down that they did convert. The other two, they did not convert. Then the only other really big play in the rushing game was, again, a creative play from Roman where um, there was a double motion with both Mike Davis and Devin DuVernay. And so they both bite, or I mean, the Dolphins bite on that double motion. And Lamar keeps it on the read. Excellent design, great execution. Lamar runs it down there. So my point is, is the one time they convert on fourth and one, Roman got creative. Then the other big rushing play, Roman got creative. So then it comes in, all right, what about all these other times where the Ravens, they missed two conversions on fourth down. And let me look up the third down conversions. Ravens were only three of 10 on third down. At 30%. Mm. So you're both basically at 30% for third and fourth down efficiency. Can't happen. Okay, so here's the question. Should Greg Roman have been stubborn on these other plays, these other third and fourth and ones, while running when he totally can see that there's getting no push? All right. Fair enough. I agree. He Maybe there could have been more. But let's but let's get down to this. Any team, even if you're a team whose bread and butter is not the rushing attack, if you're third and one and fourth and one, uh, most teams are running in that situation. So can you get creative here and there? Sure, and Roman did. Should he have been more creative in more situations? I and mean, that's it's a fine, fine argument, but at the end of the day, converting on third and one converting on fourth and inches by running that's foundational that's foundational even if you're not a run first attack you've got to be able to do that and listen I got to go back and watch the tape I'm actually I have to I'm going on film study (laughs) this week so I'm going to go back and look and yes the running backs can get better sure Roman could have been more creative we saw him you know I thought there was a lot of creativity there uh, but at the end of the day, if you think you're going to be a successful offense and never, and have to ask your coordinator to come up with something creative on third and one and fourth and one every single time you got bigger problems.
1: How about this then along those same lines? If you're a fan out there within Ravens flock nation, I'm looking right at you. When I say this, if you're calling out or criticizing Greg Roman this week, leading into week three, coming off this loss, Come on, what are, what are you even saying? Right, that is he is not the guy to go after. And Sarah, I think you just put it perfectly for why he's not the one who should be targeted all throughout the week. Was he perfect? No. Was he the reason they lost? Absolutely not. His offense hung. And I guess you could put the the Devin Duvernay touchdown aside. So his offense hung thirty one points on a, on a Dolphins team. That's going to get you a good amount of wins on Sundays in this league. And, you know, ultimately the defense allowed 28 fourth quarter points. So it's clear to me where the blame needs to go this week. And it's clear to me what we're going to be discussing all throughout the week when it comes to the aforementioned film study, Sarah.
2: Yeah. And I will, maybe we need to bring on Bobby, somebody who takes an opposing view from you and me, because I agree. Like, listen, if, if I had to list the reasons for the collapse today, Obviously number 1 has got to be that secondary, right? Hands down. Number without 2 without question. I'm, without question. Yeah, number 2 I'm going to put no pressure on the defense, okay? Number 3 I'm going to say the lack of run game. Because I think the lack of run game plays into not being able to convert on third and fourth down. And then and then after that I'm going to I'm going to Roman. Because like you said, Now, we can't bring in somebody else. Other Roman defenders I've actually seen on Twitter say, hey, Roman's bread and butter is the running attack. And through two weeks, we're not seeing a running attack outside of Lamar Jackson's big 79-yarder. So if he can't get the running attack going, they say, you know, then what, what do we need Roman for? So, all right, let's bring somebody on that has that point of view and let's let's debate it because I think I don't want to fake you and me. I don't want to fake a take just so that we can have a fake debate about it. Um, I just want to be able to say I know that's the concern out there. I don't agree with it, and so I'm happy to have somebody on that, that, that may disagree. Um, I saw Cole Jackson being one who said, well, maybe. There's food for thought here, so maybe, maybe we'll give that guy an invitation this week.
1: All right, yeah. I mean, I'll be alarmed when – J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are in the backfield, and they're putting out outputs like today. That that'd be a problem. Yeah. Then I'd start to really question and open this up for some conversation internally within my head about Greg Roman and his scheme and the lack of attack. But you know, to me, while it was nice to see, you know, some flashes and pops from Justice Hill, and I'm, I'm not sure, you know, Kenny and Jer- it's 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 hard to truly hey, measure Kenyon Drake and, and Mike no. Davis coming off of today. but I mean, even you know.
2: even J.K. Dobbins with this offensive line, I, I I saw Kenyon Drake like went to hit a hole hard, and it was gone. He just bounces off an offensive lineman. Even Patrick Ricard, I'm trying to remember in the fourth down when the Ravens were trying to drain the clock, I can't remember who had the ball, but Lamar handed it off, and whoever was the running back had nowhere to go because even Patrick Ricard, like let like the guy he was blocking got free of Ricard and got the the running back in the backfield. I mean, and and Ricard was on the injury report all week, so I mean, who knows what's going on there? But I'll tell you what, Bobby. I'm ready to see a little Nick Boyle. I'm ready to see a well, little Nick Boyle who's been a healthy scratch. Yeah. I mean, I don't know can it get that much can it get this much worse with the blocking that we're seeing? Again, the path blocking was fine. But the run blocking, which is supposed to be what, you know, offensive linemen and fullback love, that was going nowhere. And I don't even know that J.K. Dobbins could have done much. I mean, J.K. Dobbins could have attacked the edges more. The Ravens weren't attacking the edges too much. But can he, when he's not 100%, I mean, or will he be like a Marcus Peters where it's nice to see him back, but he's clearly not 100% Marcus Peters yet. So I'm a little bit concerned. I want to see... Because the Ravens kept attacking the middle of the defense. I want to go and watch the the film on Tyler Linderbaum. The knock on him coming in, coming out of the draft and getting drafted, was that he might be too small for some of these bigger defensive linemen. Let's see what that's all about. Um, I will say the the CBS broadcast did a quick analysis on the fumble on the fourth and one. And I need to go back and listen to that more intently. But in their view, that was a fumble that was not on Tyler Linderbaum. Felt like the way Lamar had it. It was on Lamar, so I need to go back and watch that. Maybe that was on Lamar and protecting the ball, but Tyler Linderbaum is going to have a spotlight on him if they can't go up the the middle, big time. Yeah,
1: I would agree with the CBS broadcast crew just because, and I'll speak on it, because I I watched it like 10 times over YouTube in a small little clip (laughs) um, from, from actually the opposite end zone camera angle, which was really good. You know, instead of like off to the side or up top, it was actually from behind so you could see what happened. And it, it wasn't for t- from my estimation and in my opinion, based off of the video that I saw and replayed slow-mo, it was simply quite simply again, it was this was this was not fourth and short, Sarah. It was fourth and a centimeter basically based right. on the spot. Just All it needed forward. to do was walk in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, basically I think Lamar was so anxious, he just broke early before Tyler even gave him the ball, like tried to exchange the the football. So Wow. Uh, and, it, and it ended up going off of, of Lamar's shoulder pad, I believe. So, anyway, that was on Lamar. But, again, an electrifying first half from number eight. And he was sensational in so many different ways. And, you know, while we're on this Greg Roman thought from a couple minutes ago, but, and we'll move on, how about the first drive? Not, you know, coming off of the, the DuVernay awesome way to start a, a a home opener slate for the Ravens, 103 yards to the house. He was going to 23 miles an hour.
0: Away we go from Maryland- DuVernay will pull it out. Got a block from Hill. He's got a lead blocker on the way. Chased by the kicker. Getting a block from Harrison. all oh, the way he goes. 103
1: yards. Greg Roman used five different rushers in that drive, including Pat Ricard and Mark Andrews in short yardage situations. That's the creativity um, that we want yeah. to see. That's the creativity that made you tweet, Did the vault just open up? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's what we want to see. And so while while it's easy to question the play calling and why these guys weren't able to move bodies at the point of attack when it mattered most down the stretch, let's also, while we question that, let's also give him his flowers for just an exceptional first half that ultimately... We'd be discussing a lot more in detail right now if it weren't for the secondary collapsing.
2: Well, and it's interesting, Bobby, because what you just did was completely appropriate with Lamar, right? You, like, pointed out what he did wrong. Not a big deal, though, because we're like, look, this game, losing this game is obviously not on Lamar, right? And so, you, so we appropriately analyzed the play specifically. You watched it a few times. You saw that, it, that it, like, Lamar just broke the ball too soon. Okay. Fair enough. Nobody listening to this podcast probably would put this game on Lamar. I would really, really hope not. Right. Cause he's the one that really is the straw that stirs the drink here in the Ravens offense. What I don't understand though, is that you can say, Oh, okay. That's on Lamar, but move on. Lamar did a good job. But with Roman, you can't say, Oh, nice, nice play with Mark Andrews, taking the direct snap, nice double motion to where you open things wide open for Lamar to go for 75 yards. And, of course, you give Lamar his flowers for, you know, going that far, out running everybody, getting there and getting the touchdown, plus his, his, all of his touchdown passes. But it's just, to me, to me, it's like you're coming into the season already wanting to fire Roman, and so you will take any single thing that goes bad and say, see, I told you, rather than saying, you know what? All in all, there was a lot of creativity from Roman in here. And when he was creative, it worked. But then he does still need to rely on some foundational pieces like converting on third and inches or fourth and inches. And so it's like instead of saying, you know what, the offensive line needs to move a couple blockers, he can't do trick plays every single time. The, the offensive line has to be able to move the defensive line a couple of centimeters. It has to happen. And I'm not going to put that on Roman for not for saying, oh, he should have known that they wouldn't push him for a couple of centimeters. Uh, I, I just don't agree with it. But, yeah. but Bobby, I do want to, like you said, there are other things we would have been talking about in detail had the Ravens won. There's a couple of things I do want to point out. The wide receivers. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, the wide receivers, which is supposed to be the Ravens' weakness, has <laughs> like been going off the last two weeks. All I see is Devon DuVernay with three total touchdowns. All I see is... Rashad Bateman, who the Ravens didn't have a single play of 50 yards or more last year. Rashad Bateman alone has two. And oh, by the way, Lamar Jackson added another one. Demarcus Robinson, who gets added right before the third preseason game, he gets a touchdown. Like, this is supposed to be the weakness of the team, but they are showing up and and just balling out.
1: Devin DuVernay did not finish this game because he was in concussion protocol. He was held out after... Yes, hauling in a catch, a tough catch, and uh, being concussed while doing so. So that's something to monitor throughout the week. Hopefully, I don't know, in terms of protocols, we're going to have to talk timeline this week, Sarah. I don't typically know whether or not he would miss an entire week of practice in the protocol, depending on uh, how severe of a concussion it is, but that'll be something to watch. You know, Sarah, with Bateman on that 75-yarder, not only was he elusive, but what about the straight line speed? I wasn't sure. I wasn't aware of that to, to that extent. His his get out of the way mentality. I mean, that was big time.
2: That was big time. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think Xavier Howard was was in coverage on that. And he's, you know, he's one of the best. Bateman yeah. put on a sweet move. Uh, you know, faking to the outside and then going inside for the slant, and then you know, and this is what I had been see- saying: uh, the 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 Dolphins got caught not having safety help, and uh, they were blitzing on that play. And fine, let's do this all day long. Let's do Rashad Bateman one on one. I had said on several shows over the off season, and I think I said it on here that the key to one of the keys to beating the blitz is get. Rashad Bateman in some one-on-one situations and just let him do his thing. And that worked. That worked today. That worked. Not only on that 75-yarder but Bateman ended up with 108 yards on four four catches. Mark Andrews, yeah. great game. 9 9 catches, 104 yards. Hey, Isaiah Likely. Hey, slow improvement, right? He, yes, he had a bad yes. game. There were no, if that I can recall, my, by the way, my broadcast did go out from about the last drive of the second quarter to halfway through the third quarter. NFL Sunday ticket <laughs> is one expensive ticket, and they've got to get it together. That's two weeks in a row where they've had issues. So unless I miss something, I don't think Isaiah likely had any holding calls this week. No, no. And, and he had, you know, a couple passes. There was one that was a little high to him. Uh, in that fourth quarter, that that would have been, I think, would have obviously helped in that fourth quarter had he reeled it in. It was the one where it looked like there was a flag, but then the refs, you know, pulled it up anyway. Uh, it was a little yeah. high. Would love to have seen him convert that, but he definitely improved. Just, Just a really good game from the receiving core all around.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all I'd
1: like to go back to the cover 0 uh, discussion because yeah. that's another thing we we would be talking about if it weren't for the way things shook out today because of how much we discussed this in the days leading up to this. The Ravens had an answer for cover 0. I stand corrected. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> while I was right on my prediction, right, not the score, but the 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 you know the w- ultimate winner of this game, it was for the wrong reason that I gave. You know, I said until Baltimore proves that it can handle cover 0, uh, against these, ex, you know, um, explosive playmakers on the outside, when it comes to DBs and blitzing and a bunch of different looks, then, then I'm not going to pick them. Well, they had a plan to, to Harbaugh's credit, to Lamar's credit. They got the ball out quickly. They were prepared. And so, again, while while I something told me that the Dolphins were going to be able to put up points, I don't know why. And I, and I, by the way, I I don't like to be correct on this. Let me just make that clear. Right. Um, so, so I just wanted to hold myself accountable on on why I, I predicted this. It was not because the Ravens had no answer for Cover Zero, and I think that bodes well in the future because as we saw, it's a copycat league, Sarah. We saw it at points last year after that Thursday night football game, other teams were giving them similar defensive looks.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he didn't. I mean, obviously, he didn't have a lot of time to like prove prove that wrong after he was knocked out for the season. But you're right. Uh, but I don't have the stats for the whole game, but Next Gen Stats had this had it through the first half. It said the Dolphins blitzed Lamar Jackson on ten of his thirteen dropbacks in the first half, so that's seventy seven percent of the time. So blitzed him on seventy seven percent of his, his his throws, and they blitzed him on all three of the touchdowns. All three of the touchdowns. So Jackson versus the Blitz in the first half, we'll see if they get out numbers in the second half. Maybe they already have him out. He only had 2.55 seconds to throw in the first half on those Blitzes. 8 of 10 for 162 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, they figured it out. They figured it out. But to your point, Bobby, you hate, especially when you're covering one team, to be right when the Ravens lose. But I certainly gave you a hard time. I was like you think the dolphins are going to put 31 points. I think you had a 31 point prediction in there. I was like, there's no way they're going to put up that many points on the Ravens. And they did, they absolutely did. And you know, you're not going to toot your own horn, but, but you, you know, you saw something there and you know, maybe more of us should have seen something there with all the injuries in the secondary. And, uh, but I definitely thought the defensive line was going to help the secondary out, but. Well, I'll tell you what
1: Sarah, like, I won't toot my horn too much. Last night, I'm seeing that Marlon Humphrey is, based on some some conversations that I was having with with some guys that sort of uh, I don't know. I was at the pool table. You know how the guys do it, right? We're all having a a good time. Baltimore is a small town. Somebody knew Marlon. Somebody was chatting with him and and had some doubts about his status today. That was completely bogus, though, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, damn, is is Marlon? Are Marlon and Marcus going to be out? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, like yeah. What went into my prediction was certainly the thought that they were going to be very, very thin in the secondary. Yep. But then both of those guys were active today, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, oh, Sarah, this, this is not gonna, <laughs> this is looking good, you know. Um, but but yeah, ultimately uh, they, I, I w- I'm su- even more surprised by this outcome because of both of those guys playing. Now, obviously, they were both on a pitch count, so. We'll see if, if their workload is increased little by little, incrementally, week in and week out. And by the way, you know, I hope I hope fans aren't dragging uh, throughout the course of this week. I hope they don't drag guys like Pepe Williams and Jalen Armour Davis too, too much because they were tasked with a lot here in the early going in their career. And I thought yeah. both of those guys showed that they have good vision and the ability to read uh, quickly and process information quickly, and they both laid the hammer down a couple times. So while they were certainly in the middle of some miscommunication uh, situations, I thought Pepe Williams had the better game of the two of them. Uh, But again, I don't think we should overreact too, too much because of, one, the playmakers they were up against, and two, just how new this is for them processing at, at the highest level of football.
2: So, Bobby, that brings me to um, if you're ready for it. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe this. I put out a call while you're doing your live stream on YouTube for some questions for us to address. Um, I'm always shocked. But are, are you good for, to answer some questions? Yes. Or is or Was there anything else we want to get to? I'm just bringing it up yeah, now because there's rep. lots of questions about the secondary. Bobby, I got in less than an hour, 101 questions. <laughs> um, so maybe we'll come back. Bobby, maybe we'll come back maybe when we try to have a guest on that maybe disagrees with us on Greg Roman, just to give a different voice out there. Cause I know there's a lot yeah. of fans that feel that way. And I just want to make sure that we're making them feel like, you know, that side is being heard. Um, uh, and maybe in, if we come back, we can answer a couple more of these questions. I mean, 101, I didn't even have time to go read through all of those. I am shocked by yeah. how many there are, but one thing that I did notice was some recurring themes. So I don't know that we need to repeat ourselves too much. Because uh, we did address some of these, but um, but I do want to get get to some. So, okay, I'm not going to read this person's name, <laughs> their username here. Uh, uh, we'll just call him JP. He says, "What do we need to change in the secondary, uh, Bobby?" I don't think there's going to be any major changes coming. Like I, uh, the Ravens already spend a lot of money on their secondary. Marcus Peters is him. He is that guy. Uh, Or Excuse me, not Marcus Peters. Marcus Williams is that guy. Amazing, amazing pickup by Eric DaCosta in the offseason. So I don't think that there's going to be a hero that the Ravens can bring in. There's not outside of what's already on the roster. Can they elevate whatever, Ardarius Washington, or they just signed uh, Harris. I'm forgetting his first name, and he's on the practice squad. They elevated Worley. So, listen. What's going to happen in the secondary is we're going to have to be patient. And it might not be good while we're being patient. We need to get Marcus Peters back to who he is. Marlon Humphrey needs to heal up. Brandon Steven needs to heal up. Neither one of them, from what I understand, well, going into this game, it didn't seem like they were serious injuries. I don't know how Marlon's feeling after this game. Those guys need to get healthy. And the rookies are just going to have to drink from the fire hose, and they're going to have to learn quick. They're going to have to learn real quick because outside of those things happening, a, tr- a trade, anything like that, I wouldn't bank on that at all.
1: And the defensive front collectively has to put some more pressure down the stretch when it matters yes. most uh, and fight through being gassed fight through having very little in the tank, because that obviously, as we already talked about a uh, further exposed uh, a secondary that was waning hard. And And one note on Marcus Williams, who now has, Three interceptions in two games with the Ravens. Probably could have been four. And Sarah, I think he would probably agree that that fourth one uh, in the second half today, which ended up being bobbled, would have been his easiest by far, maybe of his entire career.
2: I know that's. I almost tweeted that, and I just ran out of things because I think the uh, something big happened later. But I was like, of all the of all of his interceptions. That was the one that would have, it was like right there. His other, some of his other ones were just like un, unreal, unreal. Sarah, the well,
1: toe drag, the, the toe drag, drag was so filthy. Like he, he has this way of, and I don't know how the, 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 the near side official was right on top of that. I'm not sure how that didn't uh, get called immediately, but cause it was initially called not a catch, but he, he has such an instinct. I mean, you talk about a dog, D-A-W-G, like once Juice Man gets back to full health, and you hope that Marlon Humphrey can overcome what is typically a very nagging uh, injury when it comes to the groin, uh, that trio right there, you would think, are going to combine for you know double digit takeaways this year. And, and you know, so again, like you said, patience is is very much required, and it will be for probably the next few weeks. And uh, that's just the bottom line where they are right now.
2: And you might have, to, you might be throwing, you might be pulling your hair out as it's happening. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe because I, I just don't know. You know, I don't know how quickly they're going to get healthy. One other thing on on Marcus Williams, man, we are going to have to come up with some nicknames. I got Juice Man. I need another for one real. for Marcus Williams because I keep wanting to say Marcus Peters. It just rolls off the tongue. But um, you talk about that toe drag one. Well, what about his first one? I went and rewatched that one several times. I, I I cannot believe the way that ball kept bouncing a few different ways, and it looked like it was ready to hit the grass. Like it, the blades of grass were right there, and somehow while on his back, kind of with the momentum going the other way, he's able to reach out and snag that ball. I mean, it's just, it feels so good to have a true free safety back. Um, and, by the way, the way he was in Kyle Hamilton's ear. That's good. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's good. Yeah. We got a coach on the field with them. Let's let's help get the rookie straight. All right. We've talked about this a little bit. Bobby, I'll send this one to you. I'm not going to say this guy's name either. Okay. At of the Rose. There are some creative names on Twitter, Bobby. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Hold on. I lost it. Okay. At of the Rose says, how dire is the need to go find a pass rusher?
1: Yeah. You obviously saw some some tweets out there today, and as we have in really the last couple of months about Jason Pierre-Paul. Ever since he showed up to, to to the Under Armour Performance Center, and there was a visit, and it seemed like there was mutual interest, but obviously nothing since, and he remains unsigned. Sarah, I would not be surprised if they have to make some kind of move, given their their elevated call up today. Stephen Means is yep. is likely. I mean, the, the cart came out. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Did, did we hear? Did we learn anything post game? By the way, that I missed about his his John, designation, his status.
2: No, I I remember Harbaugh was not very happy in the post game presser, understandably. Um, I I can't remember if somebody asked about Stephen Means and he just was like, I don't have anything on that, or if anybody asked at all. But point being, there was no update on Stephen Means. But to your point. The Ravens were already thin. They just signed Stephen Means to the 53-man roster after spots opened up with Kyle Fuller and uh, Juwan James going on IR. So, yeah. And the earliest Bowser can come back, still two more games until he can even is even eligible to come back, whether he'll be back week five or not, I don't know, but he's not eligible until week five. So, yeah, I think that's a place where they're going to have to make a signing. But again, I don't know if there's like a hero. I mean, JPP, JPP, maybe. Yeah,
1: He's no hero. I mean, yeah, right, exactly. I don't think he's any hero, but he certainly would be better than what they have right now. I mean, it's the thinnest group, Sarah, just got thinner. That's that's the moral of the story here. So, yeah. you know, while while Tyus Bowser is absolutely an above-average pass rusher, has proven to be throughout his years in Baltimore and was having one of the best seasons of his career before he tore his Achilles down the stretch in January last year, to your point, it's not only several weeks away from his potential return, but it's a January Achilles tear. We've talked about this at length in in, in recent weeks. Like, that is a quick ramp-up period for a guy who – is coming back from such a significant injury. So I don't want to like expect him to be the hero when he gets back. I'd rather temper expectations and bring in another body who, you know, can help this room out because you're asking a lot of a second year player in Adafi Owe, who I know some fans were tweeting out today, where was he? Yeah. Um, and certainly a lot of a guy who's on the other side of, of 30 now in, in the swan song part of his career in Justin Houston, who in the same breath, had an exceptional first half and was all over the field. But you you just wonder, should he be on more of a pitch count at this point in his career, Sarah? And maybe he's not because of the reality in, in the outside backer room right now.
2: Right. And the only other thing, again, it's kind of the same thing. You're going to have to be patient until the guys all get back. Um, but the only other thing I could think of other than assigning an outside linebacker is we didn't see as much interior pressure as we did against the Jets. So we need Pierce to step up there. You know, Clayus Campbell plays a little bit on the edge, but if he can bring an interior. And then Travis Jones, he practiced three times fully heading into this game. If he can do that again, then maybe he'll be back and, and can he can maybe help bring some of that interior pressure. All right, just two more questions. Raynard Kruger <laughs> okay, asks, have you seen anything through two games to indicate either the run game or defense will get back? Okay. Again, if we're looking for hope on the run game, okay. Number one, patience. Ronnie Stanley coming back would help. Maybe you can do some left-handed running, and then Dobbins coming back. Obviously, not his first game, but maybe by mid-season, he's got more speed. You can attack the edges a little bit more. I didn't feel like the Ravens really attacked the edges too much today. Perhaps Nick Boyle uh, is. Is Pat Ricard going to get healthier? I mean, it's to me, it's it's it's. You, you, they just got to make some room for him. So, have I given up on the run game? Not yet. There's too many pieces lacking, and and I still want to see if Linderbaum can grow. And the offensive line hadn't been together very long, so I'm still going to give them time. So there's still some key pieces to get back. On defense, listen. We just, again, <laughs> the hope. If you if you need anything through two games, it's more like can they get can they get people back. Yeah, because outside of that, it's been the preseason and these first two games where nothing has gone on in the run game outside of trickery from Greg Roman.
1: Sarah, I just want to comment on the Nick Boyle discussion. I made a note of this earlier on because I saw your tweet, and you've said it a couple times now in recent weeks that you're very surprised by his healthy scratch status to start off the season. I'm not surprised. I think the Ravens told us this offseason – Maybe where this was headed with Nick. They drafted multiple tight ends, and now we're almost two years removed from that rainy night in Foxborough, where, bless his heart, he had a horrific knee injury that's required, just like Ronnie, a very complicated rehab process, extensive procedures, uh, multiple follow up surgeries. I, I don't know that I'm confident based on what I saw last year, albeit a small sample size of where he is at this point in his career. And I know full well that we're both in agreement that when he is healthy, certainly pre-knee surgery, that he is one of the premier all-around blocking tight ends. He's a uh, Regardless of the injury, he is a team-first guy, an awesome human being. Uh, I have my doubts for where he is right now, and I think the Ravens may know it, and they might be telling us by their actions.
2: So are you saying that in your mind we've hit Okay, he's healthy in kind of almost in quotation quotation marks. He's healthy and that you can't put him on the injury report, but he's not the same.
1: Precisely, like I yeah. don't I've been talking to the beat reporters. We are our, our guys, you know, yep, and yep. asking them, "Hey, are we missing something here about the 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 injury designation, the the daily reports?" Like is, is something nagging him? Is something bothering him? No, he, he's been a legitimate healthy scratch. Has he been limited sometimes just for veteran purposes and maybe a small little ankle thing here and there? Yeah, but nothing to really sideline him from contributing on game day. And that's what leads me to believe that, man, Josh Oliver is just, they feel like they're better with him on the field and that he's worthy of being a, a player on the 53-man roster come game day. And I, I don't want to overreact because it's been two weeks and we don't know specifically what Nick is dealing with, if it is something. Uh, but reading the tea leaves, it just feels as, as if and based on what John Harbaugh said recently too, Sarah that, you know, yeah, well, I'm pretty sure you'll see him out there soon, but certainly not committing at all to utilizing him in this offense. And it's just it's got me worried
2: about Nick. Oh, well, that's depressing, <laughs> especially for, for Nick Boyle. So, um, I, know. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him because you know how much he wants it. Um, you know, he's been working hard. That's too bad. I hope we'll I'm see. wrong.
1: I hope I'm wrong. Yeah.
2: I'm sure Nick Boyle hopes you're wrong. I mean, but yeah, I, 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 but you're, but you're right. You're reading all the signs and. And I've been the surprise one, and you're not. And the, the the results have shown what you've kind of been been thinking. All right, last last uh, question from Checkmate. Could this be the end for Roman?
1: <laughs> Did you leave this one for me on purpose? <laughs>
2: uh, I can I can go first. I can go first. Um, I don't think it is. I don't think it is the end for Roman. For things that we've already said previously in this show, I will say this though. I will say this. I agree with the thought that Greg Roman is is known and best for his rushing attack. And if the rushing attack can't get going, there's a fair argument to be made to get somebody else. Um at the end of the day, then again though, I'm looking at this 31 points. You got to take the 7 off for Devin Duvernay's return, 31 points and you go into your offensive coordinator's office and say, hey, I know you scored 31 points, and I know that you showed some great creativity on that rushing play. I know that we've asked you to be better in the passing game, and and that's happening. You are you are scheming guys open. You have been over this group as these young guys are, are taking off. That's tough to go in there and say, hey, you're fired, when he's got this two-week resume. That said... I do think the run game needs to get going and whatever he needs to find with the combination of offensive linemen, he's got to find it. And, and I guess there's an argument that, you know, he was a little, little stubborn in in some of these play calls, you know, just continuing to go up the middle when it wasn't there. So, but so, so while I think there's an argument for all that, I don't think it's worthy of firing him, but I'm sure many people are thinking, well, I've been wanting him fired long before now. It's it's more of a full resume. So to me, when I've seen John Harbaugh let go of coordinators, it comes from a gut of, of yes, productivity, but also does this coordinator still have the players? And we don't, unless they're going to do something like, Marquise Brown who just goes to social media and vents right now, you know, I'm not seeing signs that he's he's lost them and it's hard to know that unless somebody wants to say it publicly which is usually not happening. So John Harbaugh has to has to get a feel for whether or not he is losing his players. But, you know, is Rashad Bateman going to be mad? After having two two games, what he's had, is Devin DuVernay going to be mad? After the games that he's had, can Brochet be mad? He's been injured. Is Demarcus Robinson going to be mad? He's he's had some success despite being new. I don't know. Is Lamar Jackson mad? I, I haven't seen that every time he's asked, and of course he wouldn't say it anyway. So to me, that's what it's going to come down to because because Roman is putting up the points. He put up the points today, and he called calls when, when, when John Harbaugh made the call to go for it right? On fourth and one. So, so no, I don't think this is the end for Roman, but, but I do think his seats warm.
1: I won't go too long on this because I'm on record for saying that I hate this question with a burning passion. And I think oftentimes (laughs) online, uh, online folks within the Ravens fan base, uh, just find it as a trendy, maybe even lazy—dare I say, lazy—thing to tweet about. Fire Giro, fire Roman. Let's get rid of him. He's an easy target. Uh, Sarah, you know, you, you mentioned a couple of these these bullet points. The Ravens' offense was not the reason why they lost this game, and it wasn't even remotely close to yep. to being uh, the 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 reason why they lost this game. You know, uh, the the wide receiver room has been revamped, and it's performed through two weeks. Uh, the Lamar Jackson, aside from obviously the, the first quarter miscue with Tyler Linderbaum and uh, a second, an epic secondary collapse for the ages would have been the bona fide candidate to be MVP for 2022. If it weren't for those two things, um, is the rushing yep. attack lackluster and certainly underwhelming right now through two weeks of football? Yes, but he doesn't have his horses in the backfield. Uh, is it somewhat concerning that the big boys up front aren't creating as much space at the point of attack and moving bodies and moving girth you know more consistently than than what we would like yeah that's that's somewhat concerning but again to to i just think it's so freaking ridiculous that people are so quick to dive on Greg Roman, like there are so many other things that need to be discussed today. So send me that handle, all right? Send me that Twitter handle right now after we finish this podcast, and, and I'm gonna answer. get a spirited debate going. Yeah, that's what's gonna be going on all here. Right. So, well, just anyway. know about
2: 500 people are gonna jump in on that, and I'll <laughs> come at you. So
1: I uh, know <laughs> what's that
2: meme? What, what's that meme where the guy takes out the sword and he's like, "Let's go!" and like this whole army's coming at him? That's gonna be you on Twitter tonight. There's hey, Ru- no- behind me yeah nobody i've got you bud i've got you uh, although i'm just not interested in it anymore it's just listen it, it just is there's going to be no changing some minds. it's mind. stale
1: it's yeah, stale
2: it's just yeah people are are. i mean I, listen i can be convinced based off of what goes on forward but up till now i i'm not buying it but real quick bobby before we head off uh a quick look around the afc north there were three afc north 1 p.m games all three mm-hmm. A- AFC North teams lost. Um, Pittsburgh lost by three to New England, 17-14. Good old Joe Flacco. We're back to cheering him on. They were down. Yeah. The Jets were down. And and Joe Flacco was able to get them back. They end up edging out the Cleveland Browns. Uh, where did that go? 31-30. And right now, as we speak, we're in the third quarter of the Cincinnati-Dallas game. With eight minutes left, Cincinnati is down 6-17, to 17, which is somewhat surprising given that Dak Prescott is not there and is injured. So um, I, so at worst, from a Ravens perspective, if Cincinnati wins, everybody in the AFC North will be one-on-one. That's good news and bad news at the same time. Good news that obviously it's only week week two. There should be no panicking. It's one game. As Lamar Jackson said after the game, it's one game. It's a long season. You know, let's just keep that in perspective. But at the same time, it's a missed opportunity because the Ravens easily, Bobby, should be 2-0 and right now. And, and if Cincinnati started 0-2 or 1-1, I mean, it would be a nice way to, to, to get a leg up. But that is the where we're at in the AFC North. And um, it is. I just echo what Lamar said. It's a long season. No panic buttons just got to get better.
1: Joe Flacco turned back the clock today on Cleveland. He broke their hearts with an unbelievable comeback in the fourth quarter. Four touchdowns, 307 yards on the day, no picks. So, while it was a tough start for him, <laughs> week 1 at home against the Ravens and he was certainly roughed up throughout those 3 plus hours. They bounced back nicely today for the for the Jets' first win of the season. So, Carter, man, wow, this was uh
2: How long we been was going? This pretty thorough.
1: Okay. Yeah, this is pretty thorough.
2: We're an hour in. Hey man, we got it. We got to cover it all. And just remember this takes the place of our morning Ravens vault Monday morning. So, you know, we got to do it right. We got to, we got to give as much info as we can and break this down as, as well as we can.
1: All right. So again, it's a week two loss for the Ravens against the Miami dolphins on a day that they honored and paid tribute to and invited the families back of late former Ravens, Tony Saragusa and Jalen Ferguson. It was a spectacular day in Baltimore. Football is back. The Orioles won. They turned a triple play, by the way, which was pretty impressive in the midst of this game. Uh, But again, it does go down as a Ravens loss. It is a long 17-game season. We are going to be there for you, whether you like it or not, or whether you like our Greg Roman takes or not, all (laughs) season long monday through friday content right here on the ravens vault podcast we'd love to hear from you via email at baltimore ravens vault at gmail.com you can find sarah on twitter at sg ellison you can find me at bobby baltimore that's right it's a new tag at bobby baltimore let's get it partner and baltimore has two
2: e's right two e's on the baltimore okay
1: well the first yeah one e we should Somebody help me find the other one who's got Bobby Baltimore with one E, and let's see if we can deactivate their account so I can get one E back. To anyway. Me, to me, you gotta, say, you gotta
2: say, you got to say at Bobby Baltimore.
1: So for Sarah Ellison, I am at Bobby Baltimore, and we are signing <laughs> off from this week to post game edition episode. As always, we are trying to get the vault known in Baltimore and beyond. If you've been enjoying our content, please consider a following listening, consuming, streaming, and also sharing it with uh, Ravens group chat, a Ravens Facebook group, whatever it might be. It all helps and uh, allows us to continue bringing you all things Ravens. We'll talk to you soon.